This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. In her years of experience as a marketing analyst and advisor to the C-suite, Erna Alfred Luisis has worked with businesses of all sizes. From small SMBs to large enterprises, she's seen it all. And it's through these interactions with marketing departments of all sizes that she's found clarity on all the areas where marketers are struggling most, including where a marketing team is most frequently struggling in designing the customer experience. Marketers are recognizing that customer experience is comprised of numerous touch points, including all of the ones that marketing owns. The true definition of customer experience is the perception that customers have of an organization. And that perception is formed by the interactions across all of the brand's touch points. So it's not just marketing, it's not just product, it's not just service, it's everything. Erna is the founder and CEO of You Realized, and on this episode of Marketing Trends, she discusses why marketers need to start placing a greater emphasis on customer service and the feedback loops those interactions provide. She also discusses how messaging specificity can make all the difference when trying to reach your target audience, and why playing in three channels as opposed to one might pay huge dividends. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. And today we are joined by special guest, Erna. How are you? I'm well, Ian. How are you? I am I am well indeed uh, and excited to chat with you today. We were joking before this that we rarely have analysts in the building uh, and or, or as we like to say, recovering analysts. And so, um, <laughs> you know, you are uh, that and more and uh, and you have your own company helping marketers. Um, so excited to chat about all that stuff and your background. So how'd you get started in marketing? Sure. You know, I kind of, I stumbled across marketing as with in, as with many things. My second job out of college was working for the data subsidiary of a consulting company. And I was an analyst, a business analyst, but our company fielded and published this large multi-industry supply chain survey each year. And one year, the team was looking for ways to increase the visibility of our results, our survey results, beyond our existing customer base. Now, I might be dating myself, but this was before WebEx was a thing, pre-pandemic. So just way back in time. Sure. I I surfaced this idea of, hey, why don't we do a series of 45-minute chats via WebEx and highlight different industry cuts? And we can do this for prospects, for former clients, et cetera. The idea was accepted. And that was the beginning of my life of marketing. It was really actually happenstance. It was a need exacerbated by a pain. And then it was brought to reality. That's so, it's so pragmatic. Um, <laughs> so flash forward to today. Tell us about You Realized. Absolutely. You Realize injects humanity across customer and patient experiences. And I realized the 
injecting humanity might sound a little cliche, but after this pandemic, I think we all recognize that humanity is a vital piece of a business's DNA. So I partner with clients to define and implement customer-first strategies across their products, across process improvements, marketing, and employee experiences. And I do this because we do unintentionally take our customers for granted. We really spend a lot of time fixated on our metrics and our goals and our needs. And when we do tap customers for their feedback, it's, it's in a manner that we want versus their preference. So my company is all about helping brands recognize their experience gaps and build strategies to address those gaps while creating employee experiences to support those strategies. Yeah, and so what's the what's the size of organization that you work with? What are what are some like typical uh, you know types of uh, of groups or folks? Sure, I work with everyone from nonprofits to other consultancies to medium sized businesses to large enterprises, and that's across different industries. And so, you know, obviously, twenty twenty has been beyond crazy in in many ways. Now we're in 2021. What do you feel like the state of marketing is right now? Um, like, what do you feel like the the overall feeling is? I know that's a, a loaded question because it's very <laughs> complex, but um, what are you hearing? Um, what are you seeing? Yeah, I, I hear and I see many things. Um, I, I think there are two sides to, or two categories of of what I'm hearing and seeing. The first is, okay, we recognize that we are in this transition period and we don't necessarily know what is to come. So let's talk about what we'd like to see. And then the other approach is, okay, we're going to let our customers lead. Let's actually talk with them, get closer to them, figure out how to get the entire organization just coalescing around how to build relationships with them across different channels and take it from there. So this is a time where people are actually open. They're, they're open to not necessarily having all the answers, but recognizing the levers they need to pull to get some answers. Yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's right. I mean, and I think customer experience, obviously being, you hear all the time, you know, uh, now customer experience is the new brand. Uh, you know, how, what your customer experience has been in 2020 kind of says a lot about who you are as a company. Uh, it's going to, you mm-hmm. know, it obviously continues that way in, in 2021. How is customer experience and marketing blending? Is it blending? Is it, you know, what, wh- what do marketers need to think about for CX? Sure. I, I hope it's blending. It, it really depends on the industry as well as the organization. So I, I cannot give you a straight answer on that. I will say I have more hope these days because it does seem that marketers are recognizing that customer experience is comprised of numerous touch points, including all of the ones that, that marketing owns. So the, the true definition of customer experience is the perception that customers have of an organization. And that perception is formed by the interactions across all of the brand's touch points. So it's not just marketing. It's not just product. It's not just service. It's everything. It can be as touchy as finance to as as fun and, and, and wonderful as loyalty programs. It's everything and then some. 
So the key word for marketers for 2021 is intentional. Everything that is done should be intentional. It should connect to a very specific business goal that then dives into a marketing goal. The net of it should be, how does this make my customer feel better about my product or my service? Yeah, and so how how should marketers think about, you know, marketing their customer experience, like the marketing, the journey? The first thing they should do is make sure the journey is correct. Make sure the journey doesn't have any gaps. This is where we tend to make mistakes, actually, because marketing will be advocating and, and preaching one thing. And then as the customer experiences the process, the service, the product, they will inevitably encounter some pitfalls. And that's where things go off the rail. So what you've promised me is not what I've received. That's, that's not the best way to keep a relationship going or start one. So what all of this means is that marketers have to do a better job of fully integrating themselves into the business. Typically, we wait for product or other parts of the business to come and interact with us. But this is really a time when marketing should take the lead and sort of, I don't want to say cajole, but entice the other pieces of the business to share what they're working on so that collectively one brand expression will be received by the customer as opposed to disjointed experiences based on, you know, who's in charge of XYZ project. Totally. That makes sense. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's an interesting kind of proposition to think about the, the marketing team kind of taking a step back and looking at the customer experience, right? Like it's a lot of conversations with product. It's a lot of conversations with sales. It's a lot of conversations like looking at that stuff holistically. Are you seeing like, how are people, how are you seeing marketing teams do that? Like, what does that look like? Is there a, there a CX audit that you need to do or a journey audit? It is fantastic for organizations that already have CX groups because they are typically the ones that'll approach marketing. So that's the one group that marketing doesn't necessarily have to initiate conversation with. Chances are they are already all over it. But for organizations that don't have a CX practice, marketers are starting to take a closer look at the data that they have. So we've been preaching forever, let's make data-driven decisions to the fullest extent possible. But now I think people are actually taking a closer look at what that data is, but also where it comes from and who happens to interact with it. So for instance, in the case of customer service, customer service is a gold mine. These are people that get to hear directly from the customer what isn't working. And typically they hear it real time. So one easy way to start your 2021 is by making sure that there is a tight relationship with customer service and that there are actual protocols, be it meetings, specific meetings, or be it a process that you organize within marketing to reach out to customer service, where you're able to understand what that voice of the customer is. What are, they, what are customers saying now? What are they having trouble with? What are they absolutely annoyed by? Because all of that language can be parlayed into the differentiators of a particular brand. And if I'd say the, the icing on the cake is expressing those things in the words of the customers themselves. So that's one easy way to kick things off. 
I think another easy way is by doubling down on where your feedback channels are. So typically when we talk about feedback, we talk about, okay, customer service surveys, we talk about MPS, we talk about things of that nature, and that's all on our terms as a brand. But this is a time to actually, and this might be scary, but I'm still going to suggest it, look at ways to indirectly capture feedback from our customers. That shows that we're actually listening to them as they're going about their day-to-day. And I'll give you an example of a brand that actually does this really well, small company. Um, And it's a personal example. Right now, I'm learning Greek on Duolingo, the Duolingo app, which I hope everybody is familiar with. It's great. So Greek is difficult, yes, but this app is so intuitive. It is, I, I don't have any questions, but just in case I do have questions, Every exercise has a little feedback flag, so I can actually leave a comment. Now, I don't know if anyone will get back to me because I have not left a comment, but I thought that was really helpful. But then even further, when I went into the settings of the app, they have an actual feedback option and it is prominently displayed. Typically, feedback is hidden. You have to work for it. But in this case, it's right there front and center. And the the best part is when I click on the feedback button, an email is automatically created and it captures all of my information. It captures my operating system, the type of phone that I have, all of the details. So literally all I have to do as the user is just say what my issue is. Now, yes, this is an app, fine. But the theory or, or rather the blueprint for indirect feedback is there. It's essentially be prominent with where you ask for feedback and make it easy for customers to do so. This is another channel that can actually supplement some of the information that you would be getting for customer service. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Where do where do people um, store that stuff? Store that information. The feedback directly or yeah yeah like like so I think a lot of a lot of problems that that marketers have is like you know it's on product to store. Mm. you know, customer sentiment and to store feedback and then kind of be able to, to kind of, you know, put those two things together. So as, as a marketer, you're like, well, I want to get, I want to get the customer feedback and I want to be able to take action on it. Um, but I also want to be able to get the insights that like, you know, cause when you're providing that indirect feedback, like, you know, the customer's not, they're telling you something with their actions, but they're not saying something, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Very rarely are they saying something. Yeah, there are numerous places. I mean, it really depends on the structure of the organization. And again, who is in charge of collecting the different pieces of feedback? Uh, There are specific customer tools that people can use. But I would say just if this is something new for people to start out, and again, this is going to be provocative, to start out small, to start out with something that might be a little bit more manual in nature, just to get the flow it can be something as basic as, okay, let's say you, you have this feedback form, this, this automatically triggered feedback form that sends out an email, fine. It's collected by one general email source. Mining that data via, maybe you have a text analytics tool, something that can aggregate it all together and start to pull out the, the themes because there, there does need to be some human interaction and, and human mind and hand involvement as this data comes through. It's not 
especially if this is something new, I would say let's not jump to the the silver bullet solution that is going to pull out just that that particular kernel that's going to change everything because truthfully, it's still going to involve some level of analysis on your part. So start small with something that can be as basic as a spreadsheet just to understand what you're getting. And as you start to get more familiar and as your volume starts to increase, then you can start to look at other tools and maybe even look at tools that your customer service people might be using. One of the dangers with collecting feedback from different sources within different functions of the company is everybody is using something different. You don't want to do that because it makes it harder to aggregate all of the feedback together. So wait to see what you're, what you're actually seeing and then start to have conversations with be a product or service regarding the tools they are already using and see if there's a way that you can jump in on that party and um, sort of create a pipe to push your information down that pipe if, if you are the one collecting this data. I want to go back uh, in... In, uh, in time a little bit to your time as an analyst. Um, you were at Forrester for, for a number of years. So what did you work on there? I worked on social media management tools. I worked on some social listening, some overarching marketing best practices. So I was a big proponent of marketing and service working together. It just has to do with my, my background in financial services. So a lot of social customer care, anything that really touched social, but also anything that allowed for a better customer experience. Yes. So it feels like now everything touches social, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, specifically, you know, obviously, you know, with customer experience, you look at uh, the Salesforce's state of marketing report, you know, 84% of customers um, indicated that CX is just just as important as any product or, or of service. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that you get to talk about that is on social media, right? So not only is it where you spend your ad dollars uh, for a lot of people uh, on social networks, and it's where you can talk about how much you love stuff. It can you can talk about how much you don't love stuff, you know, but social, you know, from when you started to, to kind of when you left, you know, changed a ton. Uh, I'm curious, like how, how should companies view social media now? It seems like it's like, it's so all encompassing. Companies really need to understand what they want to use social for. So it's really tempted to just be on every single network and create your handle and profile and just push randomness out there. Really easy to do that. However, especially now, we go back to that word intentional, brands need to be intentional. Social isn't everything for everyone all the time. What are the channels that your specific customers are on? Are they expecting you to be on there? And do you have something different to offer them? If none of those things apply, I would urge you to rethink even opening up a presence at a particular channel. Or if you're one of those marketers that decided you wanted to be on seven channels, but you really only support three, we need to talk because everybody, we've spent a lot of time at home right now and customers are seeing everything. Social has done so many wonderful things during this pandemic. It's been one of those things that has allowed all of us to get closer to one another. It's also been one of those things to show how vulnerable brands can be. And I mean that vulnerability in a good way. I'm not sure, Ian, if you remember the uh, CEO of Marriott 
delivering this really heartfelt video to his employees. And that video was released via Twitter. And the point of the video was to let his employees understand that, no, they haven't figured it all out. They have to make some hard decisions, but he would do his best to be transparent and honest with them. That was that was quite moving. I, I don't work for Marriott. They're not a client of mine. Yes, I'm a customer. What consultant isn't? But I have to say, when I saw that, it made me feel good about being a customer. It made me recognize this is somebody who is leading from the top. He's basically, he's spilling his heart out. He's telling people he doesn't have all the answers, but he's going to do his best to to do right by everyone. As a customer, that actually found that whole thing, that whole scenario found itself in many conversations that I had, both with people on a business level, as well as a personal level. And that is the power of social media. The fact that it allows the consumer, prospect, customer, whatever you wish to call (laughs) the customer at the end of the day, it allows us to get closer to the brand in a way that other mediums don't. And then it allows us to share that information with whomever we want as well. So I know there's a lot of temptation to really focus on the advertising perspective of social. And I'm not saying that organic is taking over because it's not. But what I am saying is social is an opportunity for brands to really show their humanity if it's done authentically, honestly, and with transparency. Yeah, I, it, no, it's a great point. I mean, I think that one of the, one of the things that we um, as marketers like to do, love to do, uh, is to plan the campaign, right? To mm-hmm. to get everything scheduled, to get all the creative assets together, to to look at it, you know, holistically, to do all those things, and to create, you know, the video and to post it. Mm-hmm. And what it feels like now more than ever is like all the work that goes into creating the one video and posting it, you know, to say that you're doing something to show is not really as important anymore as, or to tell instead of, you know, doing all the work to show, right? You know, we say show, don't tell all the time, but mm-hmm. like social media is the the perfect place to do that, right? If you're going to spend all the work to, to, you know, post the video of how much you care, you better have a team that's responding to all the uh, DMs that you're getting or, yes. you know, or yes. all the tags because Absolutely. Uh, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? Like that's where people are actually having public conversations with you about your company and you need to be able to respond to that. Absolutely. I'd say now more than ever. And if you happen to be somebody who's in the healthcare field, now more than ever, is that the case? Uh, one of the companies that I, I really respect is the Mayo Clinic. And I find them to be a really interesting case study when you watch their LinkedIn presence specifically, because they post about a myriad of different things, disease states, studies, recent studies, breakthroughs. They don't just post though. There are employees posting, their partners are responding to their posts, their actual humans, i.e. patients or former patients or relatives of patients that are all interacting with those posts because they're not just, here's my new stuff, check it out. They're actually, there's a very clear point, a very clear takeaway from their posts, whether it be to share information, 
new information, whether it be to keep people safe, what have you. There are even posts that come directly from employees just expressing how happy they are to be a part of the organization. Healthcare has gone through a lot of hard, hard times. And Mayo is definitely one of the organizations that is doing better, but nothing is certain right now. So for, the, for them to take the time to be very methodical and thoughtful about what they're sharing and how they're sharing, doing so in a way that encourages other people to interact and share, I think they do a really nice job of showing the beauty of social media. And it also, I have, a, I have to make a comment about COVID. It doesn't have to be COVID all the time. There are other things going on in our world. Granted, they're going on through the lens of the pandemic, but there was a very clear line earlier on in the pandemic where every single restaurant you might've visited in the past or retail establishment that you might've gone to once in the past five years, they all reached out via email and they were all talking about the unprecedented times that we lived in. It got very old very quickly. And unfortunately, it took away from the value of the brand. There were other brands that decided not to put all of their marbles in the email bucket and and started to use social for the very thing that we're talking about right now. Delta is an example of that, where they saved email strictly for sharing information that talked about how they were keeping their customers and, and their employees safe. They were not selling. They were not talking about the next vacation that you should be planning. These emails were very, very specific to here's what's happening right now. This is what you need to be aware of. This is how we're keeping people safe. Thank you so much. Keep safe yourself. And then on social, they would share different ways that they were supporting different entities during the, the pandemic. And that, that's the way that you're supposed to do things. For marketers, this entire pandemic, I, I feel, is a wake-up to communication strategy. It's not about wallpapering every single channel with how amazing we all are. It's really about understanding how our customers perceive each channel and not taking advantage of the fact that certain channels are definitely going to elicit a very specific behavior, either because of the severity of your message or, or because how customers treat them. I, I firmly believe that when it comes to messaging and channels in particular, specificity and relevance are the things that make messaging sing. So make sure you understand what it is that you're trying to convey, how important it is to the customer, and which of their channels they would prefer to see that messaging and that content. Yeah, I, I think that one of the challenges that brands face, you know, kind of like we, we have this, uh, you know, every company is a technology company mm -hmm. now. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, every company is a media company now that, you know, you'd say something like, like take the Mayo Clinic, for example, who, like you said, is, has done an awesome job, right? Well, you know, like their team has to sit there and think like, what is our TikTok strategy, mm -hmm. right? It's like, it's just not something like easy to think about or to plan or to have a strategy on when perhaps, you know, much of your marketing team, you know, isn't on a platform. And we, we've talked to other, other podcast guests who are like that, right? It's like, hey, I'm not on a particular social channel where it's a very new social channel. TikTok's usually the one that, that comes up. But if you're the Mayo Clinic and you need to reach, you know, people in a population age group uh, with your posts, you have to do it in a way 
and a place that they consume that Mm -hmm. stuff. It just seems extremely difficult for marketers to be able to do that and to put the resources into like creating that type of content for a different platform. Like it seems like it's just such a hard thing to do. You know, as, as you were studying social media, how were companies dealing with all of the different, you know, new and arising social channels with different, you know, delivery mechanisms with different, you know, content sizes and shapes and, and lengths and all that stuff. Like, is is it, is it too much to handle? Like, is this, is it uh, too difficult? I, at that time, it seemed as if the strategy was let's be everywhere and let's just replicate what we do across the board. One of the things that we've always, and I've always done this, I've advised customers to understand that they don't necessarily have to develop an entirely new strategy for a specific social channel. They already have a marketing strategy. Each social channel has its own etiquette and own expectations. So is there a piece of that strategy that meshes with that particular channel? Or we could state it this way, is there a message that you know your customers gain some level of value from if you happen to insert it in TikTok. And then you can go down the path of seeing how to explore that further and implement it. As marketers, we're accustomed to experimentation. So you don't have to sign the farm to a particular channel, but you do have to do the upfront work and think through what are the benefits that I get from this? How do they differ from other channels? And then Better yet, how does this map back to a business objective? It's really tempted to, to, tempting to just throw ourselves in all of the channels and not really think about the business benefit that comes out of it. But if you start with your objective and then identifying what the benefit is, that'll tell you whether or not you need to go down the path of committing to that channel. And that's where a lot of, of marketers fall short. Even when I was an analyst, I would often ask these questions and people would say, wait, I, I, I just want to be there because everybody else is there. And I'm like, mm, that isn't a good enough reason to allocate all of this time, all of this money, and potentially your brand's perception to something that might not be received in the manner that you expect. So again, going back to that thought of being intentional, being intentional means you're going to go through a bit of a due diligence process before you commit to any channel. And this is really a good time for marketers to review all of the channels that they've been a part of and actually ask themselves these questions, audit each of those channels and see, are people even talking with us? Yeah, they might like our, our content, but do they ask us questions? Because if they don't, you might want to think about putting those resources somewhere else or potentially changing, trying to do some analysis to figure out what they are responding to. You want to be in these channels to accomplish a goal. Yes, you want to be seen and perhaps awareness, brand awareness is a goal, but you should still have some milestones to measure whether or not you're meeting that goal. Yeah. I mean, one of the ways that I I look at it is, um, and I kind of just made this up, but it's like, you know, for social, it's like, good marketing teams create, but great marketing teams respond, right? Like there was a, mm-hmm. there was a post that the, um, the guy who runs the social media channel for, I think it's Morning Brew, um, 
of like all of his tips. Uh, shout out to him because it was a great, great post. But one of the things like he just went through like all the strategies that they use for for their Twitter strategy. And like almost all of it is around, you know, taking things that are happening in real time and like responding super fast with like a meme or something funny and making it relatable. So like, you know, taking taking some sort of meme that's in that's in public use and making it tailored to their audience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, being the first person to respond when, you know, whatever, Elon Musk tweets something and like trying to respond. And they, they set up like, uh, like account notifications to know when certain people, you know, tweet or post or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get to that like next level as, as a company to like using those sort of ideas to say, like, again, to the Mayo Clinic example, who does a great job. It's like, if somebody famous, you know, post something that's like wildly inaccurate and you have an article that is, you know, well, actually that's not, that this isn't true at all, right? That's like responding to something in real time. And that sort of stuff is going to get a lot more engagement, but it also is just way harder because that's not scheduled, right? Like you can't, you can't plan that stuff. So then you have Mm -hmm. to orient your team around flexibility and around being responsive and adaptable and again, that's just mm-hmm. way harder to do. It is harder, but guess what? This is our world right now. Agility is everything. I mean, let's take the pandemic. You know, in January, we were going about our business, at least in the US. We knew that there might have been a thing that maybe we should be concerned about. And then in March, everything hit the fan and we could no longer use our strategy, or we should have recognized that our January strategy wasn't going to work out for 2020. But There are wonderful things that come out of these random, spontaneous moments in time. Once once we, of course, make sure everybody is safe and and healthy, there are fantastic things that come out of that. Your Morning Brew example, when you were sharing it, I was thinking, Morning Brew, okay, they have three things that they're trying to do. They're trying to inform people. They want to be relevant, yet entertaining, so that they will be seen as a source of all of those things. So of course, they are going to have a little mini team focused on some of these activities, or they'll make it a half a part of somebody's role to look out for these things. And of course, they're going to use their social listening software, their social intelligence software. So they're literally, there's not like a person scrolling through all of the various Twitter trends of the day. They've, they've orchestrated a process to be able to respond on a dime like that. But it is because they're very purposeful with their presence. They know what they're supposed to do, what they need to do in those channels, and they know what their customers are looking for or what their audience is looking for. And so they've organized themselves in a way to support that. That's what marketers have to do. They have to go, we have to be agile. We cannot, we can't be afraid of change. And we can't be afraid of starting over again if something doesn't work. So if you were to if you were to put your analyst hat back on for a second uh, now here in 2021, what would be some of the things that you feel like people are either need to work on, mistakes that they're making, stuff that you're seeing that's um, that that needs fixing? Definitely, we all need to go back to our reason. Our, our raison d'être. Why are we here? What are we giving to our clients? What, what do we want them to think of us as? So revisiting all of our objectives for, let's say, 2021. What, what are those things? 
Also, I would say we need to do a better job of understanding if we're in a particular channel, the data that is coming out of that channel. Why are we collecting it? Is it something that the rest of the business will understand? Is it something that helps us figure out what we're going to do in the future? Does it give us more intel about what our customers want? Does it help us understand their behavior? And last but not least, is the information we're gathering actionable? Because all of those things will basically form the foundation for what type of content we create, what our purpose is in a particular channel, how we're able to show to the business what marketing is bringing to the table. I think those those are some of the things that we tend to forget because we get comfortable with the data that we collect. We don't necessarily look through all of it, but we know it's there. We don't actually act on it. And that that's something that's holding us back. And it also doesn't help the business understand, well, why are we in social media? What are we, what are we achieving? If we can't relate to them what we're capturing in terms of metrics or what our purpose is in that channel and how we're fulfilling it and what that does for the customer, then that doesn't give them an opportunity to be bought into the channel. It really just makes them think we could use those resources and do something else. And that's not what we want. So very, very high level, I would make sure that marketers are understanding first what what their purpose is as they try to communicate, as they create content, as they summarize for the business what their value is. Because essentially marketers are the brand storytellers. So is the story right? And is it in the right channel? Those are some of the things I would I would start with at a high level. Well, so what's uh, what's next for for you? What's uh, what's next for you? Well, not what's next for you, and what's next for you? Realize your company. Uh, what are you excited about for uh, for twenty twenty one? And uh, what are the things that um, you know that you're going to be working on? Twenty twenty one, Ian. You know, it's inter- It's it's both difficult and exciting to plan for a year that you are still uncertain of. One of the things that I'm really excited about is this surge of new channels. So things like Clubhouse, for instance. Now, at the onset, that might not be a marketing channel. However, it's a great place for marketers to interact with other people who might be interested in what they're doing. So for me, I'm I'm planning to take a closer look at channels like that or networks like that and technology that we might use today for one purpose, but can be repurposed in the future. So I have, I happen to have a big passion for healthcare and I'm, I myself am actually working on a healthcare platform specific to caregivers. And I want to ensure that the channels that I'm using, as well as the overall experience that I'm providing is comparable to what customers expect from from the Amazons of the world. I mean, Amazon, Facebook, Google, they've all trained consumers in a particular way, but some consumers are actually a little burnt out. So I'm trying to learn from those experiences and iterate and create something new. And in turn, give my clients some insights that they can then use. I'm very big into creating a blueprint, creating frameworks. That's how we think as analysts, that's how things get done. And that's how you keep people aligned. So I'm looking forward to building more of those to support either new channels or existing channels as World 3.0 descends upon us. Let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. 
just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing on the world's number one CRM. That is Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. Lightning round questions. Erna, are you ready? Let's do it. Do you have a favorite book or podcast that you read or listened to uh, in 2020? I got into Dax Shepard's The Armchair Expert. Yeah. Fascinating. I highly, highly recommend. He talks about everything and anything and has amazing, amazing guests. I always learn something. Is there something that you're you're looking forward to doing this year that you didn't get to do last year? Travel? <laughs> Travel <laughs> <Sure>. safely? <laughs> seriously. That is something I'm seriously looking forward to and I miss it. I used to travel all the time. I just, I miss it. What about a, a habit that you picked up in, in 2020? I have started baking again. And like many people, I'm shocked, but pleasantly pleased with the results. What would be your best advice for someone trying to figure out their social strategy for the first time? I'd ask them to think about why, why they want to go the social route, what it offers, and how they can use it to differentiate what they are providing to customers. I'd have them start there and then go down the path of understanding which social channel both meshes from a, an etiquette perspective or a behavioral perspective, as well as gives them an opportunity to try different types of interactions out. And then, then I'd wish them luck and ask them to talk with me. Indeed. Um... And everybody should should talk to you uh, if they need if they need some help on this stuff, uh, as you just listened to plenty plenty of advice there. So, if you weren't in marketing at all, if you weren't um, in consulting, what do you think you'd be doing? I probably would have answered that question a little differently, um, circa before the pandemic. <laughs> but right now, I can say if I weren't following this path, I would be, I would be in healthcare, but I would be one of those technologists. I would be one of the people trying to uncover better ways of getting education out there to patients and caregivers and the like. That is something that I'm very, very sensitive to right now and ever so thankful for all of the healthcare workers and frontline employees that are doing their best to keep us all safe there are many learnings from from healthcare right now and then to come. So I could totally see myself fully immersed in that if I weren't doing what I'm doing now. What is one question that you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Why do you do what you do? Why do you? <laughs> tricky, Ian, tricky. I believe that marketers are, they're the front door to a brand. And especially for brands that are doing something positive, that are impacting the world in a positive way. I just want to make sure that they have every opportunity to tell their story and have that story deliver the results they expect. That's why I do what I do. Well, that's it. That's all we got for today. It's been awesome having you on the show. Everybody, uh, if you want to check out Erna, you can go to u-realize.com. Anything else? Any final thoughts? Just remember your purpose, everyone, (laughs) and be intentional 
about anything that you do internally and externally. Awesome. Sage advice. Thanks again for, uh, for joining us on the show. You're welcome. My pleasure. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.